Thank you for listening to an audio resource from Stanwich Church, located in Greenwich and Stamford, Connecticut. The vision of Stanwich Church is to know Christ and make him known. The epistle lesson for today is from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. This can be found on page 1,159 of your pew Bible. In this passage, the Apostle Paul describes the extraordinary grace of God in Jesus Christ by which we have been rescued from sin and death and given new life in Christ. A reading from Ephesians chapter 2, beginning with the first verse. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we have all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised up with him, and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. I was stuck in a cemetery with no way out. Now, this is not a common phrase that you would expect to hear from most people. Rather, it sounds like something you would see in a horror film. But this actually happened to me three years ago during Lent. Let me explain. Lent is an important season for Christians all over the world as it represents Christ's journey towards the cross. It's a 40-day period marked by reflection, fasting, and repentance where Christians take on spiritual practices like extended prayer, meditation, or fasting from certain luxuries like food, chocolate, television, or social media to draw closer to God. So three years ago during Lent, I came across an article written by a pastor And in the article, he introduced the spiritual discipline of hanging out at cemeteries during Lent in order to help Christians draw closer to Jesus in his death as we think about our own mortality and sinful condition apart from Christ. And being the spiritual formations director, part of my job is to introduce people to spiritual practices that can help them experience the reality of God on an ongoing basis. So when I read about this practice, I had to try it out for myself. The first few visits were eye-opening. Once you get over the fact that you're in a cemetery, it's no longer creepy. 
but I found the place to be rather soothing and very peaceful. The noise and the distractions of life were muted. There was no sense of urgency that I had to be somewhere or tackle whatever was on my to-do list that day. In the silence among the dead, I could finally hear my own thoughts, and my deepest fears and concerns began to rise to the surface as I prayed and wrestled these matters with God. Then one afternoon, I found myself in the church cemetery, which is actually not too far from here. And some of you might have actually have loved ones buried there in the church cemetery. Well, since our church cemetery does not have a separate parking lot, I parked my car on the grass and walked over to the garden to have my quiet time. What I did not realize was that it had rained the night before. You can guess what happened. By the time I was ready to leave, I couldn't. My tires were deep in mud, and I panicked and made the rookie mistake of hitting the gas pedal as hard as I could, which only made my wheels spin and my car sink even deeper into the mud. So I did whatever, um, what any spiritual formations director would do. I looked to YouTube, and I searched for videos on how to get free when you're stuck in mud. And one user recommended putting a blanket underneath the tires to help gain some traction. So I popped my trunk open, and the closest thing that I could find to a blanket were a few Stanwich youth t-shirts that I brought with me to use for the Stanford campus. Sorry, Craig and Lauren, if you guys are watching this. This is my public confession to Stanwich Student Ministries three years later. So I put the t-shirts underneath the tires and tried this method, but the ground was still too soft, and those shirts were lost in the mud. Now, I had done everything by this point, and I was tired, dirty, my boots were destroyed in mud, I was utterly stuck with no way out. Can you think of a time when you felt stuck, like wheels spinning in mud? Well, in today's text in Ephesians 2, the Apostle Paul paints a similar picture of what our spiritual condition looks like apart from Christ. Just like my car being stuck in the mud in the cemetery, apart from Christ, there is no way out. We are all stuck in our sins with nothing but death encompassing us. And the harder that we try to save ourselves in our own strength, it's like wheels spinning in mud and the deeper we sink. It's actually a pretty grim picture that can easily get depressing But thank God it doesn't end there. There is hope. As we dive into this text, we're going to see that there's a striking contrast between what our spiritual condition looks like before and after Christ. And if you're like me, while it's tempting to skip all the bad stuff and go straight to the good stuff, it's only when we fully recognize the bad stuff, our hopeless spiritual condition apart from Christ, that makes us fully appreciate and embrace the gift that God offers. So let's take a look at what we were like before Christ entered the scene. So go ahead and take one of those pew Bibles out nearby and open up to Ephesians chapter 2. It's on page 1159 for those of you who are reading from the pew Bibles. Now this passage 
in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 to 10, it's so theologically rich and loaded, we're going to do something a little different today. And instead of me summarizing it to you, we're going to break this down verse by verse. So buckle your pew belts. (laughs) All right, so let's read together what it says, starting in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Okay, let's just stop right there for a moment. You see that word dead in verse 1? The original Greek translation, do you know what that word means? Well, it means dead. It means dead, corpse, lifeless. That is what our spiritual condition looks like apart from Christ. We are like a dead man. It's like my car that was sinking in the mud in the cemetery. It was useless and as good as dead. And why does the Bible say that apart from Christ, we're spiritually dead? Well, verse 1 says that it's because of sin. Sin is what gets us stuck in the mess, and it separates us from God. And all of mankind was born into this fallen world, tainted by sin. And because of it, we are all spiritually dead. Let's read on in verse 2. In which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. The prince of the power of the air. Who is that? Well, that's a phrase used to describe Satan in the Bible. You see, back in the garden, when Adam and Eve sinned, the serpent usurped some of the authority that was given to them by God to steward creation. And to this day, under God's sovereignty, Satan has limited authority and reign over the earth. That's why he's called the prince of the power of the air. It's also the reason why we see so much havoc and pain and division in this world. It is a result of Satan's influence, who is at the work in the sons of disobedience. So apart from Christ, not only are we spiritually dead, But as citizens of this fallen world, we are all subject to Satan, the prince of the air, following his ways and the ways of the world, which lead to sin, rebellion, and death. This sermon is getting darker and darker by the minute. (laughs) But bear with me. I promise hope is coming. Verse 3. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Apart from God, we as humans are prone to sin, chasing after whatever desires and cravings that we have. We are selfish. Life revolves around us, our wants and our needs and our desires. And scripture tells us that when we live in this way, it leads to wrath. That is our identity apart from God. We are like children of wrath. Now think about children for a moment. When they are good, they are often rewarded and affirmed by their parents. But when the children are bad, they are disciplined and punished for their actions. Similarly, the Bible says that we are like children of wrath, and the consequence of our sin is wrath. What we sow in sin, we reap in wrath. So there you have your sermon, children of wrath, go in peace. (laughs) 
Okay, I'm really glad you laughed because I was kidding. So thank God that Paul does not end his letter there, but there is more to the story. God, who is righteous and just, had every reason to leave us in our sins and face the punishment of wrath that we deserve. But here is the good news starting in verse 4. But God. Thank God for those two words. But God. Maybe you could think of a but God moment in your life when you were on the trajectory towards one way, but God showed up and turned it around. Think of that time as you hear the good news starting in verse 4. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Amen. That word, grace, it's a word that we often use in church, but it's not something that you would hear much outside. It's actually the title of today's sermon, God's Grace. Simply put, grace is undeserved, unmerited favor from God. It's countercultural to the world where we have to work hard for everything that we earn. But with God, salvation is a gift that Jesus already paid the price for. And there is absolutely nothing that we could do to earn it. We are simply recipients of his gift. That means that no amount of good deeds, positive thinking, or charitable donations is going to save our souls from spiritual death. It is God who made us alive, God who saved us, God who raised us up. We were spiritually dead in our sins, but God, being rich in mercy, sent his own son to take our place as children of wrath and die on the cross for our sins. Friends, this is the reason why we preach the gospel here every Sunday. Who else would willingly take on our sin and the wrath that we deserve upon themselves? Who else has the power to raise us from the dead? Only Jesus. Only Jesus. As Jesus conquered sin and death on the cross, That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is now at work in those who believe. And we too are raised to life with Christ both here and now and also in the age to come. Hallelujah. Isn't that amazing? For those of you that ever grieved the death of a loved one, we don't grieve as the world grieves. Death does not have the final word but we rest in the confidence and the hope of resurrection. And not only does God give us new life through Christ, but he also gives us a new position, a new identity 
and a new purpose. We are given a new position in Christ. Verse 6 says that God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly places. That means that no longer, no longer are we down here, subject to the prince of the power of the air, the devil and his schemes, but we are seated high in the heavenly places with King Jesus, who triumphed over Satan, sin, and death. In Christ, we are also given a new identity. Apart from Christ, we were children of wrath. But through Christ, we have been adopted as sons and daughters of the Most High, and we get to share in the inheritance of the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us. That means that we get to experience the reality of God's goodness and love in an ongoing basis. It never stops, even when we stumble. And finally, as we come alive in Christ and live out of our new identity and position as God's sons and daughters, we are also given a new purpose. Verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not the result of work so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now some of you might read this and think, wait a second. It just says that our faith is not about works, so why is it talking about good works? Well, to clarify, our salvation is not based on our works. It is a gift from God that we simply receive by faith. But the good works that Paul is referring to here is our response to salvation, the ultimate work that Christ accomplished on the cross. Now that we have this new life, new identity, and new position as God's children, Seated with Christ in the heavenly places, we are also given an opportunity to express our gratitude for the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, and that becomes our purpose. Our good works becomes a reflection of Christ's ultimate good work. And what I love about this verse is that even the good works we get to participate in pre-existed before us. How liberating is that? It's not up to us. We can relax and not be so stressed out since our faith and everything else leading up to this moment has already been prepared by God beforehand. Our response is simply to walk in them. So some of you might be wondering how I ever managed to get out of the cemetery that day. <laughs> so there I was, the spiritual formations director doing what I thought was super spiritual, praying in a cemetery. I tried everything in my knowledge and power and the power of YouTube to free my sinking car from the mud, but whatever I tried, it only seemed to make things worse. It was when I finally gave up and threw in those shirts it suddenly dawned on me that I still had my AAA membership from years ago. <laughs> so immediately I called AAA and they were able to dispatch a tow truck. 
So as I sat there in the cemetery, listening to some Christian radio in the background, waiting for AAA to come rescue me, the sun was beginning to set, and I couldn't help but laugh at my situation. For Lent, I wanted to draw closer to Jesus in death, but I never imagined I would literally get stuck in a place of death. And what did it take to finally get unstuck? It took something stronger and more powerful than me to accomplish what I could not do in my own human strength. Just as my car needed to be rescued by AAA, all of us are stuck in our sins and need to be rescued by Jesus, the one who is stronger and more powerful than we are. As my car was slowly being pulled out of the mud by the tow truck, a song that I had never heard before started playing on the radio. And it was a song titled, Let It Happen by United Pursuit. Listen to these words that make up the lyrics. You're full of life now and full of passion. That's how he made you. Just let it happen. And he calls each one of us by our names to come away. And he whispers to your heart to let it go and to be alive. It was as if God was speaking to me through this song, telling me that all of my fears and my concerns and everything that I had been wrestling with him up to that moment simply needed to be surrendered in his presence. I could never fix myself, save myself, heal myself, or make myself become better. But I could give myself to the one who could and let his life-giving power flow through me. So as we close and get ready to come to the Lord's table together, there are two invitations that I want to extend to you this morning. The first is for those of you who've never received God's gift of salvation. Maybe you've gone to church your whole life thinking that salvation was dependent on good deeds and getting on God's good side. Or maybe you find yourself stuck in a certain area of sin and like wheels spinning in mud, you don't know how to get out. If that's you, I want to encourage you to call on Jesus today. He is your AAA. He's already done the work for you on the cross. All you need to do is call on Jesus and be rescued. The second invitation is for those of you who already received the gift of salvation through faith. But maybe you find yourself struggling to walk in his grace lately. My invitation for you this morning is to surrender. Give yourself to God. Whatever that situation is you find yourself in, give it over to Jesus and onto his more capable hands. Cease striving and let him do the work on your behalf. May the Holy Spirit remind you today 
of who you are in Christ and of the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness that he has for you. For you are a child of God, full of life, full of passion, seated with Christ in the heavenly places. That's how he made you. Just let it happen. Thanks be to God. To learn more about the mission and vision of Stanwich Church and how you can get involved, please visit stanwichchurch.org.